with artists created and produced by Detlef Schlick, a visual artist and ritual designer, living and loving in West Cork, and best known for his essay about the cause and effect of shamanism, art and digital culture. Working in the field of performance, photography, painting, sound, installations, and film he will dive and discover with us and a weekly creative guest into the unknown and exciting deep ocean of the creative mind. This is Detlef Fisch, and today we dive into the deep and unknown exciting ocean of our creative mind and cove together with John Adams. Hi, John. Hey, Ted. How's it going, man? <laughs> yeah, it's good. How are you? John is sitting here around Athens first. Check off chocolates. Yes, beautiful 80% dark chocolate. Yeah. Um, that's already now our third episode. We had the first first two episodes they were, I mean, they were we wanted to start about John's artwork as well and, 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 and other things, but but somehow we ended up I mean he's blaming me now in politics. <laughs> Maybe we 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 will get other things is life, isn't it, Dad? Yeah, somehow, yes. Yeah, but you see, in, in my case, I really I try to stay away more and more from it because what I see is, and we see it is literally in our podcast. If you dig too deep into it, you know you you're, you're not finding time for any other things anymore. And I mean, I I did my my thing to enjoy talking about it though. <laughs> I mean, I mean, my essay was about shamanism, art, and digital culture, cause and effect. You know, yeah, yeah, and and it it was. Tell me about shamanism, but not now because. I want to say something about my art. <laughs> okay, I would say, Sam, what we're not going to do, we're not speaking now about, about your life in London, where, um, where, where I used to be drama in the band, where, which, which we had. I'll tell you a little bit about my life okay, in London. Okay, okay, okay. And it relates to my art, okay? Yeah. All right. So as I told you, I went to four art colleges. I got fucked out of four art colleges. And then, like, I was so disillusioned with art yeah. that I decided I would never do art again in my life. I was going to go to London yeah. and try a career in rock music yeah. as a drummer. Yeah. So I moved to London in 1985 and I met Poodle, the singer in the Crawdaddies, in a cafe in Brixton where I was living, squatting. Poodle and myself decided to get a band together and he knew the guitarist and the bass player, so... It was pretty cool, like we just formed the band and we were fucking brilliant right from the start. Like it was really good band. When I moved to London, I was in a really bad state of mind because uh, I lost the big love of my life. She had left me not long beforehand, well, about a couple of years, and I was very depressed, very sad. Also, I'd been fucked out of four art colleges, so I was in a really dark... Thing. Four art colleges? Yeah. That's quite a lot. I was in a really dark place, so I was basically getting drunk and stoned and taking all sorts of drugs every night for the whole 11 years that I was in London. That means from, from, from 85 to 96. All right. But also I did some amazing things. Like, I mean, I started off working on the building sites. I started off as a labourer and I realised pretty quickly that that was a loser's game. It was too difficult and... I decided I'd pretend to be a carpenter 
So one Christmas I came home and borrowed some really crappy old rusty tools that my dad wasn't using anymore because they were unusable. And I filled an old Manchester City bag full of tools. And I came back to London, called myself a carpenter. And I managed to blag it as a carpenter for six years. Wow. And I ended up learning how to be a carpenter by getting fired about 50 times. Like my nickname in London at the time was Down the Road Johnny, which <laughs> which means uh, that's, what the, that's what the governor, that's what the boss would say if you're fired. He'd say, you're down the road, mate. Get your tools. Oh, God, no, what? I was called Down the Road Johnny because I got fired 50 times in six years. But I didn't give a shit because to get a job again. And then did, did, did you make a song about Down the Road Johnny? No, but maybe someday. But I'm going to try and tell this story as quickly as possible because if we get hooked on. I mean, I don't mind. So I was really trying to get a. Uh, during this time, I was really trying to get a job in something that I really wanted to do, which is working in theatre. There was a big theatre set company in Brixton near where I lived. At and I was trying to get a job with them for many years. Like I just used to keep calling in and saying, have you any work? Have you any work? And eventually one day the guy got so sick of me calling in. He said, OK, come on in. You can have a job. So I got a job doing what I really wanted to do, which was painting sets for theatre yeah. and film and TVs. Yeah. So I worked for them for, I don't know, maybe a year or so. Kim Tim Walker, they were called. And I got to work on some incredible jobs like Huge big sets for massive, the biggest theatres in London and uh, film companies, Pinewood Studios and ended up doing Disney, like we did paint the Sleeping Beauty Castle for Disneyland and other bits and pieces for Disneyland Paris. And then the last job I had with them was the Expo in Seville and we worked out there for five months. It was some incredible job, like we worked on six, six different pavilions in the Expo. So this was kind of getting me back interested in art again, being painting the sets. So this was like a good few years after I'd been thrown out of art college. And then I met these artists who were squatting a gallery, or they were squatting an old suntan lotion factory in Brixton on Effa Road. And I, I joined them the first day they squatted it. And I ended up, you know, becoming the, the exhibition's organiser and they had a gallery, they had a theatre, they had a cinema, uh, they had a cafe with live music every night. It was absolutely incredible. like, And it was a squat and factory. Wow, wow. But you see, this only lasted a year because this had been empty for 13 years, this building. But as soon as you squat a building, it generates interest because you actually do it up. You make it look nice. Absolutely. It was so the same in England, wasn't it? Exactly. No, this is what happened, you know. As soon as we made this building nice and turned it into an art centre, of course, the owner sold it then quite quickly, so we had to move out. And then we were without a building for a while, and I ended up um, managing to squat. The Dole office in Brixton, which is the old social welfare office. Oh, oh wow. It had been empty for many okay. years and some some uh, heroin addicts were squatting it. Right. And I went in there and I convinced them to leave because they were t they had ripped everything out. There was nothing left. They, they had ripped out all the lead off the roof. They had li uh, taken all the half the slates off the roof. Okay. And they had 
ripped out all the copper piping from the plumbing. Yeah. And they'd re- even ripped out all the electric cables to, to sell and wire out. And yeah. it, so there was nothing in the building. It was completely destroyed. And you're not going to believe it, but the Dole office had actually left all the documents. People's documents had been left behind. So we had to clean the whole building out. We had to renovate the building. We spent 10,000 pounds on the building in six weeks. We had the place completely rewired. We had the roof fixed. Yeah. We had all new toilets put in, yeah. all new plumbing. Yeah. And we had the place open in six weeks yeah. for our first exhibition. Right. And we went on, like I was, I was the arts director running the exhibitions. And we, we had exhibitions from Wimbledon College of Art and we had Chelsea College of Art. We had people from Goldsmiths College of Art in yeah. London. All these people were showing in our gallery. It went on to be an amazing place. We funded it by putting on parties every six weeks. So the parties would have about five, six hundred people at the party paying ten pounds to get in. And and we were selling beer illegally. But we told the police, we said, look, because the police, we used to invite them to all the events because we were doing such wonderful things in the community. Lovely, lovely. So we had the police supporting us because this is the roughest area of London. Don't forget Brixton on the front line. And we were bringing the kids off the street, teaching them how to grow plants and how to do art and, you know, generally giving them some hope because there was very little hope on yeah. the streets. So we were doing great things in the community. That place lasted for six years. But um, London, I never really liked it. And I always thought it was a really rough place. I got beaten up 12 times in... 12 times? 12 times in 11 years. I got attacked at late age at night walking home. And I was very lucky I wasn't killed. Like I was attacked with knives and all sorts. Oh, God. And uh, the last year, 96, I had an 18-year-old boy die in my arms. He was stabbed to death by a bouncer because he didn't have four pounds. And um, that affected me psychologically so much. I can't imagine that. I had to get out of London, you know. So basically, I decided to move back to Cork. And luckily, um, a friend of mine called Frank Bradley who runs the Roundy House Bar in Cork. He commissioned me to do a painting for a bar on Oliver Plunkett Street, which was called... T- on, uh, Chop Yoke, it was called at the, at the time. It's now the Market Lane Restaurant. All right. Um, it was a huge painting. It was 12 foot long, and it was all famous Cork people like Roy Keane and Sonia Sullivan and Michael Collins and Rory Gallagher. So anyway, I did this huge painting and it paid for me to move back to Cork in 96 and I joined the Backwater Artist Studios that year, which was a really good move because they're brilliant studios. And I realised very quickly in Cork that there is so few places to show art in the city that I decided to open my studio to the public one November to try and sell my work and put on an art exhibition. My friend and colleague at the time, Susie O'Malan, she said, oh, can I open my studio as well at the same time? And next thing we know, we told everyone in the studios and they all said, oh, can we do it as well? And next thing, all the other studios in the city heard of what we're doing. And they all asked us, can we open our studios at the same time? And then, you know, it was obvious that there was a real need for people to show their work. For, for culture night or for culture week. It's or... so difficult for people, artists in Cork, it still is to this day to show their work. They've nowhere to show it because the council will give nowhere for the artists to show their work. Like 
It's absolutely dreadful. We've been crying out for a building for ever since I moved to Cork in 96. Yeah. Still nowhere. Yeah. There's a little tiny, tiny it's, bit. We know nothing. Gerald has, yeah. It's kind of a little place. It's as small as this living room. Like, it's tiny. That's the only place they've ever provided. But anyway, so we set up the Cork Art Trail in 1996, 90, yeah. The next year, myself and Susie won the Lord Mayor's Award for it. But um, also in 96, I had my very first solo exhibition in a gallery on McCurtain Street, which was called Gallery 44. That was a couple of years after your London yeah, no, experience. the year I moved back from... Oh, the hell already? Okay. It's the very year I moved back. I had my first solo exhibition in my life and it turned out to be a real success, you know. Even though what I did was when I moved back to Cork, I decided I wanted to learn how to paint all over again. Yeah. And I had this beautiful studio. I prepared 30 canvases and I decided the best way to learn is to try and just play with paint and to learn about colours and try not to paint anything realistic. Yeah. In other words, yeah. I was trying to do abstract art, which I'd never tried before, but it wasn't because I wanted it to be abstract. It was that I didn't want to complicate learning about paint and colours by actually trying to create something realistic. I just wanted to see what I could do with the colours, what I, what beauty I could create with colour, basically. I ended up doing a whole series of paintings and they all ended up looking like something, but they weren't meant to. They ended up looking like the Earth from above, from a satellite, from okay. from the space station. You know, they looked like clouds over planet Earth or whatever. Like there was all that kind of stuff. Funny thing is they were very popular and they all sold. And then from then on in, every different collection of work I did it was different because it was different reasons. You know, after that, I decided, well, you know, I need other skills in painting. So I was learning how to paint. So I did the, the figures up above you there, which are, uh, they're called manimals. And basically what I was trying to do is paint figures in a space that looks three-dimensional. So I was tackling shape, form, light, and depth. And these were the three things or four things I was aiming. They're lovely. Was I, was, I was wondering, thank you for, for telling me that. You know, I'm trying to learn about how to paint. So I'm trying to capture different elements of painting that's important in a, in a painting. So that was painting people, mostly people on the stage. Some of them were half man, half animal. I called them manimals. This is 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 this the first time I suffered real depression, yeah, I was diagnosed with depression. Yeah. I started painting these really dark forests with the light far away in the forest. These were subconscious paintings that I was painting that was just really what's going on in my mind. Very dark place. But the more I was painting, kind of the happier I was becoming. So the light was coming closer and closer. And eventually, when I was finished this series of paintings, I actually burst out through the trees into the open into the bright sunshine. And I knew I was cured then. I knew my depression was over. This series of paintings I showed in a Laundrette gallery in McCurtain Street. 
And it was my first sellout exhibition. I sold everything. Even a famous uh, American director, his name is Neil Butte. he bought one of the paintings. All right. He, he was Broadway theatre director. Okay. And he had a very famous actor who came to my exhibition as well, who was acting in his play in the Everyman Palace that year, 2005. So that was the next series of paintings. And every series of paintings, the next ones I did were in Italy. I spent six months painting in Italy. And there was the Iraq war was starting around that time. There was war, you know. And I did a whole series of anti-war paintings. But they were kind of going back, the colours thing, trying to play with colours. I was doing a lot of explosions and I was experimenting with different techniques of painting. And the next series after that goes back to my Cork Harbour paintings, brings you up to 2008. Yeah. So I'm bringing it, and you know, it was all me trying to learn my skills of painting. Yeah. Because when I started the Cork Harbour paintings, I was trying to paint in a more realistic way. Yeah. You know, realistic paintings of the harbour and then up into Cork City, realistic paintings yeah. of the city. And then after that, is when I started doing portraits and stuff like that. I've often been castigated by gallery owners and people who think they know about art, saying, all your work is so different. It's, you know, because in in Ireland, you're expected by the galleries to do the same kind of work all the time, like one trick pony. But that's always the same. So many of the famous artists in Ireland, they all do the same shit all the time. Like, pathetic. I know. You know, it's like they've nothing to say. But that's like they've nothing to say. That's that's a problem with art in general. I mean, it's not not just painting. Art, for me, art is, is more than just painting. I mean, I'm... I'm a visual art. I gotta work with multimedia art. I gotta make films, and that that end, you know, exactly. So, so that's that's why I can't stick just to painting because if you once be just a painter, you know, the people that put you in, into a box, you know, and, and that's it. In Ireland, the gallery owners they want you, they want people to walk in a room and say, "Oh, that's a John Adams straight away," or they want to, you know, watch sure. But is it is the music but the same? Pathetic. It's really, but it's the music the same. Well, no, I think the musicians have a bit more like a lead. Not, you know, like really. look at Paul Weller, for example. He pr- he progressed as he matured. He did different stuff as he, and people really appreciated it. You know, and David Bowie, look, he he changed all the time. I mean, but yeah, Bowie was he, he, successful. He took it took him very long to become successful, though. I mean, David Bowie was successful from the start. No, David Bowie, no. I mean, I mean, it, it took it took quite a while. Yeah, but well, everybody takes a while to become successful, but. Look at me, I've been out of 30 years and I'm still not even getting exhibitions in recognised art galleries. Yeah, but people love your art. I mean, it, 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 it is lovely. They, I think the administrators, they, they love your events. John has this house here in Cove and it is full of his paintings and he, he, we manage it to do sometimes events. I don't know how often you're going to manage it. I'll just explain quickly about my event. When I bought this house in 2014, I decided to dedicate the downstairs to being an art gallery. So I knocked down all the walls and opened it up into one big room and made it split level so there's a stage and the floors are made of concrete so there's a really nice acoustic in the room and also under the concrete is insulation so it keeps a nice temperature there's a lovely air in the room but uh, any musicians who played in the room they love the sound in the room and I can have 40 people comfortably sitting down in five rows of seats of eight. Basically, the concerts are, you know, people who love the music of whoever's playing and they come here to listen. They don't come here to talk. So musicians love playing here and also I put on plays. Well, I don't put them on, sorry, I host. uh, The gallery space is open to people 
to ask me if they can put on a show here. But ever since I ran that art centre in London and the art trail in Cork, I've always believed that mixing the arts is the recipe to creating something really special. In other words, I don't like putting on just a gig of music. I like to have something theatrical or some poet. Absolutely, some immersive, you know. Open mic, yeah, always the best. Yeah, exactly. Well, it is. It's not always the best, but... No, it's just, I mean, not, not quality-wise. It just creates a, a different experience for the audience when they go out at night. If they're coming in here and they're paying t- 10 euros or donating 10 euros, shall we say, then they actually get a play and they get a gig for that money, which is so unusual. Like, usually you just go and you get a gig and that's it. But you want to do open mic, isn't it? I mean, everyone can... I do but open mic as well, yeah. Of course I do open mic. You did it here last year for the Cove Readers and Writers Festival and it was a wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. And I love that. I mean, I've organised it by the up to the, the social club. Often the events like Cabaret Nights, you know, with 10, 12, 13 different performers, music, poems, dancers, and, and it's great. I mean, I'm so happy that you can do that here, you know. So, and I'm, I'm sure that people really appreciate it totally, you know. So it's been very popular. And if anybody wants to look up my gallery, it's a, it's separate to my Facebook page. It's called Coley Mark, the Artist's House. That's C-O-L-I-E-M-O-R-E. So it's Coley Mark, C-O-L-I-E-M-O-R-E. Colymore, the artist's house. And it's named Colymore because my auntie Frances, who died about 12 years ago, she was a wonderful auntie and she left me some money when she died. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to buy this house. Yeah. So I dedicate this house to my auntie Frances and Colymore Harbour. Colymore Harbour up in Dorkey in Dublin is her favourite place to go for a walk and that's where we scattered her ashes in the water. So this house is named after the most beautiful harbour in Ireland, Colymore Harbour, and it's also within a harbour of Cork Harbour. So I way my mind is a harbour within a harbour and I like people to think of my house as a harbour for the young. Lovely, 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 you know? lovely. Yeah. I, I, I love this impression, this impression, yeah. Because it's here for the community. You know, I like to... I've always, I've spent more time in my life trying to help other artists and to get a community in going. Yeah. And, and I, I believe in community so much. And, you know, it's the only time I ever saw my father crying when he came to one of the events in this house. And it's the only time he ever told me he's proud of me. It was probably the best moment of my life, you know, that I had actually built this house and created something that made my father proud. And that is... Probably the proudest moment of my life. That sounds lovely, John. And I would say on this note, we leave it for now. Maybe we're going to add another podcast, uh, another episode, probably at the end a fourth episode. <laughs> oh, it's up to you, Danny. Yeah, no. If you can stand listening to me anymore. Yeah, no. So we're going to do a fourth one, I would say, because I think we still have something to say. And we're going to do that in the episode for next Sunday. Uh, but we're going to play a song now. But first of all, I would thank you all my listeners all over the world, in America, in, in England, in Germany, in France, in Ireland, in West Cork, especially in, in Cork and County Meath and Dublin and and. Uh, Argentina, especially Pastoral, are, are really our, our biggest listener. And, and uh, Pastoral, you probably love the stories now. So, so all the best to, to Concordia, to Buenos Aires, to Victoria. The next song is about, it's one that I wrote. Yeah. And it's a song about Irish mothers, but kind of um, bit my own mother as well. Like she always made me feel guilty. Yeah. So it's a song called Guilt Complex. And 
I think it's an Irish Catholic thing. You know, Irish mothers making their sons feel guilty. All right. It's always your fault. All right. You never do anything right. I mean, maybe with you going to get a real job. Yeah. Maybe we'll start about, about the skull complex in, in, in the next episode uh, to explain it. Uh, I would say before we start with a song, I just have to mention, so you can go to John Adams, you just have to explain your connections on social media. Okay, yeah, well, it's a website is johnadamsartist.ie and my Instagram is John Adams Paintings. My Facebook is just John Adams and you see a picture of me walking down the steps with a yellow shirt on it and the gallery downstairs is Colymore C-O-L-I-E-M-O-R-E The Artist's House Colymore The Artist's House Facebook is John Adams and Colymore The Artist's House is on Facebook too Okay, this is John's social media contact, internet um, World Wide Web contact um, You can join as well the Isle of West Cork Artists Group on Facebook and you can become member there in order to become part of a lively community and you can show your artwork there as well um, You can follow as well on Instagram at Stetschlich, at Attitude, and at Isle of West Cork Artists. There we're going to see every day new posts about this current podcast and about other stuff. What I'm going to do, because uh, I'm going to have now my um, first collaboration published uh, uh, um, after 30 years, my first song online with Dirk Schlömer. It's actually Wild Wave, um, and the song is Wild Atlantic Way. So so you, you can, I'll put that into my description as well. Dear listeners, now we're going to go to Guilt Complex by John Adams, played by Crab Seal T. And by me on drums and C. And Pat Elliott on Atalot on bass and Dara O'Brien on guitar. Joel, thanks a million and have a lovely day. Take care. Thank you, Dad. I really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, dear listeners. Bye-bye.
You have listened to Artitude, West Cork's first art, fashion and design podcast. Artitude, never so close again. Ah! That was too close.